Just a very simple uh, passage, but uh, I think something that can really remind us of our responsibility in this world. Um, how many of you uh, really enjoy alien movies or TV shows? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Some little, little kind of, yeah. Which, which, are, which one do you enjoy the most? Which? Star Trek, the original Star Trek, right? Captain Kirk and yeah, Spock, those are the ones I really enjoyed. We, there's something about alien life that fascinates our world. We, we kind of think there's something out there. Um, I, I, I find space fascinating. It's just ma massive, it's huge. And uh, I think I, I'd be one of those who would love to go up into outer space and just go around the earth a few times and just be a, a blast, <laughs> no pun intended. But, uh, the passage we read before, it talks about us living as aliens. Now, when Peter wrote this, he wasn't thinking of space aliens. Uh, he, was, he was thinking of a, a word that they would use for, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at that pretty soon, but um, just a quick little quiz here on who these people are. If you're a little, little older, you probably recognize right away who this was. Mork from Ork. I was going to say, where is he from? But you already Mork from Ork. Robin Williams, right, Mork and Mindy, back probably in the 70s this came out, I would think. 80s, 70s, 80s. Uh, just uh, a lot of fun. Uh, this one here, I think most would know. E.T., go home, right? Not a, not a difficult one. Uh, what was the boy's name that he was with? Elliot, you know, yeah. This one? Elf, yeah. Exciting, right? Right. <laughs> you seem so excited anyways. Now this was a real photo taken in the last couple of years by an Air Force pilot of a, uh, some kind of ship or something that, that they were chasing. And this thing was kind of odd. So just, just throwing this up there as something kind of weird, right? Uh, I have a theory on, on aliens, by the way, so not theological. But uh, I think there's something to it in terms of demonic stuff going on. I really do. I really believe that's so. But I mean, what better way to fool the world into what is truth, right? So interesting how they never find anything, but there's always lights flying around. But anyways, just for fun. So we looked at these verses before. And I just want to read it again. Dear friends, Peter writes, and he's talking to fellow believers. Some texts will say beloved. It means you are the beloved of God. I urge you, I urge you, and whenever one of these writers urges us to do something, it's really good to take notice of what he's going to urge us to do, because it's important. I urge you as aliens and strangers, and again, he here, he just assumes that's that, that is what we are. As Christians, we are aliens and strangers. Hang on there. Yeah, we'll get there. Don't go ahead of me, my friend. <laughs> As aliens and strangers, and here's what he wants them to do. Abstain, or stay away from, or don't do uh, what your sinful, or from your sinful desires, which war, wage war against your soul. A couple weeks ago, we did the armor of God. We looked at how, how you know, we are in a battle, and we really are. We're in a battle with, with the invisible forces of Satan around us, but we are also in a battle with something else, ourselves. There is something we are born with called our sin nature that we all struggle with. And I'm not going to ask you what your battle is because it would be embarrassing probably. And it is for all of us. There are things we struggle with until the day we die, even as Christians. And as believers, we have victory 
Because in Christ they're forgiven. And we do find that we do those things less and less in our lives. But as Paul writes, oh, we'll, hang on, we'll look at Paul in a few minutes. Let's look at these words first, sorry. Aliens and strangers. The word aliens uh, is a Greek word, paraoikos, which uh, probably means nothing to you. Simply, it means this. Para means beside or from, like a parallel line, right? We talk about two lines, they're beside each other. Oikos means house. The term alien means you are alongside the house or alongside those who belong. You don't really belong, you're beside them. And so an alien, and we, we use that term today to talk about illegal aliens or people who don't, who don't belong to a country, of their, or they're, not, they're in a country, but it's not their own country. And so he uses that term to describe us, Christians, in this world. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we change kingdoms. We still live here, we are in this world, but we are not really any longer belonging to this world. That doesn't mean we all of a sudden become weird, although we, we may be weird, some of us are really weird, but we have a new allegiance, we have a new home. We aren't there yet. And so he uses a second term to describe the fact that we aren't there yet. Strangers. A stranger is a visitor passing through a place or a country, but that place is not their home. And so he uses these two terms almost synonymously to describe us as believers. And maybe you feel that tension in your life as you live your life out. There's times you can just kind of get along with everybody, but there's times you know that your belief and what you, what you hold to becomes a tension in your relationships. At work, maybe how, how you react to things. I, I can remember uh, the first year out of seminary, I, I didn't have a church yet to work into, in, in, so I, I went and worked at Champ Sports in a mall in BC, Langley, BC. And so I was there for four months, working as a shoe salesman, uh, selling sports equipment. And there was one time my manager said to me, uh, as the phone rang and she knew who was on the line, she said, Dave, can you answer that? I said, sure. And can you tell him, or whoever it was, that I'm not here? <laughs> well, that was a dilemma for me, Dave uh, from seminary. And I said to her, I can't do that. And she got really mad at me. She said, tell him I'm not here. And I said, I can't do that. You can answer the phone or someone else can. And she was very upset with me for quite a while because I wouldn't listen to her. Funny thing is, as I left that store, I think uh, I was one of the few that remained after the Christmas holidays. The rest were kind of all let go, whatever, but I stayed there for a little while after. That summer she got married and she asked me to do her wedding for her. <laughs> there was a respect gained by how I lived. And it wasn't like I was a perfect guy there, but I, I stuck to what was, was true and right. So. Uh, interesting. So we do live in a world that uh, doesn't necessarily want what we have, but when they see us living this way, they go, that's interesting. So let's look at uh, a stranger. Probably my favorite uh, stranger in, in terms of movies and TV was, was Clint Eastwood and how he played cowboys. I just loved Clint Eastwood. The 70s and 80s, um, just a whole bunch of movies where, I mean, he was just cool, isn't he? I mean, uh, whatever. And he would just, he would ride into a town. I remember a couple of the movies, he'd ride into a town and, and just be there as the kind of the, the savior of the town, if you want to call it that. 
You know, he was the stranger, the loner. He, no one really knew much about him, but he, but he would just ride into town. So that's the idea of a stranger. You don't really belong, but you come in. And maybe as believers, sometimes you don't really feel like you belong in, in the way the world celebrates their life. But you have a reason to be there. And God has you in that situation to be there. Whether it's nursing, whether it's being a lawyer, whether it's being wherever you work. We work in many different places and we hang out with many different people. You have a chance to be a positive alien and stranger in those situations. Hebrews chapter 11, 13 to 16 kind of re-emphasizes this. This, uh, uh, the writer here is talking about all those of the Old Testament who, who are people of great faith. So Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and David and, and uh, Ruth and, and Rahab and all these people of the Old Testament and all the stories. And he, he says this about them. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. As much as I enjoy this world, I do. I enjoy a lot of things here. I enjoy driving around, enjoy the scenery, I enjoy people, I enjoy the food, I enjoy sports, I enjoy playing golf. There's a lot of things I enjoy. I enjoy the music this morning. But this doesn't compare to what God has promised us is coming. And I truly believe in the description that God gives for eternity. You simply need to go to a funeral to realize how short this life is. And you start to reflect, wow, okay, that person was here and they're no longer here. My life is temporary as well. And so we all face that reality. And he says they were looking for a country, not, not this country, but one uh, of their own. What is our world like today? Where do we walk? How are we alien to this world? Because this is kind of where our world is today. Just a very quick glance of our world. It's a very worship uh, of the creation kind of world rather than the creator, right? They worship the creation. We live in a very, they call it the postmodern world where truth is really is relative. So if I come and say, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I bear witness to the truth. They would say, well, that's your truth, not my truth. And that doesn't make sense. Truth is truth or not. We live in a world where kids are taught about the circle of life. You know, even in, our, in their cartoons. And if you just live life and you die, you'll, you'll somehow get back into the whole creation thing. It just keeps coming back and forth. And the Bible says, no. It's appointed unto us once to die. And then the judgment. We live in a world where marriage has been reinvented or reshaped. This is the world we live in, Right? We live in a world that says people are basically good and they don't need a savior. And the Bible says, no, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All of us need a savior. They aren't evil people trying to be evil. They're just people who, this is what they believe. And without the truth, without God's truth, they're blinded. And so that's why we as, as believers have this responsibility to share when we can, to pray. This is not to criticize our world. This is to be feeling for our world. We need to feel for them. And then this perhaps the most uh, known one in our world is let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And that's really the philosophy of most people who don't know God. 
if I'm going to die, I may as well live it up now and get 10 credit cards and max them out because I don't really care. Once I'm gone, I'm gone. And that's the idea, right? Live for today. So he says, first of all, to abstain from sinful desires. Keep away as believers, danger, danger, danger in your life. We need to be very careful how we live as believers. We're going to see why very clearly. Although I want to do what is good, Paul writes, I want to do what is good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Oh, I love God's word. I love his law. But I see another law at work in me. Something else. It's like this battle inside of me. There really is. Do you know that battle? I mean, I do. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that work within me. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is just simply saying, even as a believer, we struggle with what, what our heart knows and wants to do for God. And that thing called the flesh, that fallen part of us that we still have, wants to do. There's a battle inside of us. As a believer, we don't have to give in, but we do. And even when we sin, we come to the Lord and we can confess it. We continue to move on. But it's a battle. It's a battle. and wants to, wants to bring down your life. It really does. It wages war against your soul. So why do we want to abstain? Why is it so important for us as Christians to watch our lives? And he gives the reason. Live such good lives among unbelievers. And here it is. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, though they accuse you of being a hater, intolerant, and all these words they use, they will accuse you of that. They will see your good deeds. And they'll glorify God on the day he visits. It's hard. It's hard when they start to point their finger and say, you are a bad person, evil, intolerant, whatever word they use, because we hold to the truth. It's really hard. But they will watch you. And they will see how you, you treat them. One of the more famous aliens that we don't even think about being is the alien of Superman. An alien who, in, who came to this world and was different right away, right? He was different from the rest of the kids in his class. And then as he grew older, he under, started to understand who he was. And he had a choice to make. Would he help the world and be good for the world or just kind of be Superman and do his own thing? And he decided he was going to be good for the world. He would save people. That's kind of a small way, a picture of us. As Christians, we have a choice to make about how we're going to live our lives. Will we be God's supermen and women, not in terms of being awesome ourselves, but in terms of that, that God is in us? Will we be that for the world, that kind of alien? Will we make a difference for God? See, the world is watching our lives. They really are. They're watching. Live such good lives among the unbelievers that though they, they may see your good deeds that they might see your good deeds. Jesus said, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I'll skip that one for now. Alexander McLaren was a, a great Scottish preacher of the 19th century. He said this, the world takes its notion of God, most of all, from the people 
who say they belong to God's family. That's us. They read us a great deal more than they read the Bible. In fact, they see us, they only hear about Jesus Christ. We become Jesus Christ to them. If we are living our lives properly, if we're just whatever the world does we do, if we are making no difference in, in terms of a witness, how will they ever see Christ? so important and the reason is the reason we want them to watch us is that when God visits or when God shows up in their lives when God knocks at their heart when God says this is my my message when the gospel comes to them and will they say well you know what I saw those Christians and they they what they did was not good how they treated people was horrible I don't want none, none of that or will they say I saw that believer. Though many were, were harassing them and bugging them, they continued to love and have patience and enjoy. And I want that. You see, God's going to show up to people's hearts. He's going to. At some point in their life, they will have to make a choice. Whatever God has brought to them in their life, they will make a choice. He knocks at their hearts. And what will they remember of Christians? I want that. I want that. Let me finish with this story. I've heard this story before from someone, another message. Uh, a couple named Herb and Ruth Klingen. Let me just read this, this uh, article from Masterpiece Magazine that was written about them. Herb and Ruth Klingen, American missionaries in the Second World War, were in a camp in the Philippines under the uh, rule of the Japanese at that time. So they were in a prison camp. They tell about the horrors of it, that camp. And in the diary, Herb describes those three years in that, in that camp, and he names a man named Kenoshi, the fiercest and most hated of the Japanese authorities, a ruthless, brutal, murderous torturer who starved people to death or who simply just shot them. He writes, Kenoshi found inventive ways to abuse us. He increased the food ration, but gave us something called pele which is unhusked rice. Eating the rice with its razor-sharp outer shell would cause intestinal bleeding that would kill us in hours. It was a death sentence for all who took it. But because of our hunger, you ate anything, and thus the people would die. They then write, they were liberated by General MacArthur on February 24, 1945, and it was the very day Kenoshi had planned to kill them all. Years after, uh, they write, we learned that Kenoshi had been found working as a groundskeeper at a Manila golf course. He was put on trial for his war crimes and hanged. But before his execution, he professed faith in Christ, saying he had been deeply affected by the testimony of the Christian missionaries he had tried to kill. God is making his appeal through us. We are his ambassadors. An ambassador to a foreign country, when they go live in another country, aren't a part of that country. They speak on behalf of the country they came from. And so the Lord says to us, you live in Canada, you live in Winnipeg, 
but you're my ambassadors to where you work, where you play, where you live. So live such good lives amongst your neighbors and friends and family that they may see your good works. And when God visits their hearts, they will glorify him as we pray for them. Amen. Let's sing, He's Still Working on Me. I invite the group to come up.